0: Chapter Twenty of Secretary Hawkins in Cuba. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Secretary Hawkins in Cuba by Secretary Hawkins. The Midnight Visitor. Well, said Doug Waters. What are we going to do about it? We were seated in the library after dinner, and I had just shown Doc and Lucio the note the lame man had given to Will Standish for me. There's only one thing to do, answered Lucio. Hawkins will have to stay up tonight and wait for his visitor. God knows what the lame creature would do to this house if his orders were not obeyed. But what does he want with Hawkins? Continued Doc. What does he want with the boy? Why does he not come here in daylight and ask for you, Lucio? Lucio smiled. I am beginning to have my suspicions, he replied. I think there is more wealth here than the villa and the plantations. In short, I believe that Casanova's treasure is a reality. Dak came over and sat on the arm of my chair. Hawkins, he said, you're not afraid? I looked up at him and tried my best to show him a brave smile. I even tried to laugh, but laugh sounded dry and false. Why now, Doc," I answered, there's nothing to be afraid of. I've seen this lame before. What? exclaimed Lucio and Doug together. Why didn't you tell us? I'll tell you now, I answered. I didn't want to tell you how I came to see him the first time, because it frightened me. Being midnight and just waking from my sleep, I sort of thought it would frighten all of you too so i told them then and there of the night that i awakened and saw the greenish face peering at me through my bedroom window of how i had jumped out of bed and ran to the window and looking down saw the figure of the lame man walking down the pavement when i had finished duck said it seems now from all that secretary hawkins has seen that the lame man was the thief who stole the diamond, Lucio. Perhaps he figures that there are more such gems in this house and expects to make the boy hand them over when he calls tonight. Lucio shook his head. I don't think so, he said, but we shall see. We will make ready to admit this strange person tonight. Hawkins shall receive him alone, as the note directs. All the lights on the house shall be put out, except the one in the little office next to the small room that the former owner of Casanova used for a laboratory. That will lead the lame man to the little office room. He will come where he sees a light, thinking that the boy is waiting for him there. And you really intend to allow Hawkins to wait for him alone, queried Doc Waters. Lucio nodded. Hawkins will be alone in the office, he replied. And in the laboratory, my dear doctor, you and I will be ready to leap out to the aid of our friend secretary should anything happen that I do not expect now but don't you think the lame man will be suspicious of that asked duck we will fool him said lucio we will throw him off his guard you might expect him to be near the house this very minute watching who comes and goes we will tell gabriel that we want him to take a trip with us tonight we will all pile into the big car and moreno shall drive us that will leave only delgado the cook and a few servants over in the quarters beyond when he sees us all leave the house except hawkins he will feel safe in believing that the boy is waiting for him alone and where will we drive to may i ask Asked Duck, around the nearest road of the plantation and back up to the rear of the servants' quarters. There we will leave the car and come back to the house, entering by way of the kitchen and hiding ourselves in the laboratory behind the little office. From behind the laboratory door, we can see into the office, we can watch every move that Hawkins and the lame man will make. After this explanation of the proposed plan, Doug agreed to it and orders were sent to Gabriel and Moreno, the chauffeur. Doug and Lucio smoked big black cigars and talked about everything except that which we were going to do this very night. In fact, they seemed to feel as though it was nothing out of the ordinary. As far as that goes, it wasn't for, since we had come to Villa Casanova. So many strange things had happened that we were getting accustomed to surprises and scares. But I sat there with a mixture of feelings and a confusion of wild thoughts running through my mind. I was to meet the lame man, alone at midnight in this big white house. He had commanded me to do it. The note he sent was very plain and to the point. If I did not do as he had written, Woe to the big white house and all those in it. I began to be nervous. I found myself shivering at times, as though it were cold, when... As a matter of fact, it was one of the warmest nights I had known in Cuba. I watched the silver hands of the clock as they pointed to quarter of eleven. I seem to be in a dream, Say, so heard Lucio say. It is time that we start. Buckle up, Hawkins, and don't let anything frighten you. We will not be gone ten minutes, and we will be right behind you hiding in the darkened room beyond the office. You're not afraid, are you, secretary? Well, maybe a little? I answered. Of course I am, a little nervous. You know how it is. I'll feel worse during the ten minutes, you'll be gone. We will try to make it less than that, he assured me. But anyway, he continued. I hardly think your lame man will come before we get back. It is the best way, Hawkins. Gabriel appeared silently in the doorway and announced that Moreno had brought the car to the front door. So they all went, taking Link with them and my poor old skinny guy, when he left, gave me such a frightened look that seemed to tell me I was in for a pretty dangerous evening. I heard the starting of the motor and the car wearing away down the road when I sat there in the awful silence of that great white house with only the ticking of the silver clock but to my strained nerves each tick, tick, tick sounded like a sledgehammer keeping time with a loud pounding of my heartbeats. I sat in a rocker and rocked back and forth fast and furiously trying to ham a song I knew when I used to sit in my little rocker at home in the kitchen while mother baked pies and cakes for Sunday dinner. But gradually my nerve began to weaken. I felt that something was going to happen. In fact, I felt as though the lame man were bringing evil with him. What was it? Why? I stood up to go to the meeting place, and as I reached for the little button to turn out the table light, my hand was shaking like a leaf in the wind. My heart was going mile a minute as I walked down the hall and entered the little office room. Beyond the laboratory, a desk stood in the middle of the room facing a door in which there was an oval pane of glass and which opened onto a portico at the side of the house. I sat in the chair in front of the desk which faced the door and kept my eyes glued on the oval pane of glass through which I could see outside. I wished he would come, so that it would be over with. Suddenly, I was startled by a hissing noise from the dark room behind me. The next minute, Lucio's voice came whispering through the crack behind the door. We are here, Hawkins. Keep our your courage. I acted as though I did not hear, but kept my eyes turned toward the door. I did not want to be caught by the lame man, and he might pop up at that door any minute. And if he saw me nodding my head or talking to someone behind the door, it would spoil our plans. So I sat in the silence until I began to get sleepy and rubbed my eyes to keep awake. But at last it came, that sneaking tip-tap-tip, of the lame man's steps i heard them coming slowly up the gravel walk and as they came the sound of the silver clock striking the hour of midnight kept time to those unnatural footfalls that told me they were bringing to me the ugly person who had peered at me one night through the grating of my bedroom window The brass knocker on the door was lifted gently and allowed to fall once against the door. I arose and with unsteady step walked over and unlocked the door and threw it open wide. A dark shape crouched beside the pillars of the portico. Are you alone? he asked in a hoarse whisper. Come in, I said. He limped into the room, and I closed the door and turned to him. I am here, I said, as your note requested. What is it you want? Speak quick before some of the folks awaken and come and find us. He snatched his leather headpiece from his bald pate and turned suddenly upon me. Oh, that ugly greenish face! I had made no mistake that night. It was green. Green as the oldest copper, greenish and drab. I never before saw a human face so evil-looking. You know me, he snarled. You saw me before. Yes, I answered softly. You climbed up the vines to my bedroom window and looked in. While I was in bed, I was looking for him. He said in a hoarse voice, Tell me, boy, where is he? Who? I asked. The old Cass. Him they call Raphael. It's him I want to see. Which room does he sleep in? Answer me true and lead me there quiet, or by... Oh, I interrupted in a low voice. Perhaps you mean Rafael Peralda? That's him, the very one. Show me his bedroom, Sonny. I saw his hand flash from under the long cape that hung from his shoulders, and he thrust back into its hiding place a long knife. He's not here, I answered. He has left. They say he lives in a plantation house nearby. The green countenance lit up with a sickly grin, and I noticed that only two teeth remained in this strange person's mouth. How can I ever describe that ugly face? Uh-huh, he said. Don't be lying. Don't be lying. Lucky. this says he is still living here. See, nobody but him and me knows about these things, sonny. I blinked at the thing he held aloft for me to see. It was the diamond. You stole that, I said shortly. You climbed up the vine and entered the window. He looked at me keenly. I, he said, I did, and I didn't. For seeing as how it was mine in the first place, I calculate I got a right to have it when I finds it back. Huh, Sonny? It's mine, you know. It's him what stole it, and there's another just like it, and that's mine along with it. You knows where it's kept. Ain't likely he'd go away and leave only one. Fetch me the other, Sonny. Quick. Go about it. Quick, Maya. I'll wait here till you fetch it. Then I'll go to the plantation house and settle accounts with him if I can find him. And I'll hand him till I do. Sit down, I said. I want to know just why you say this diamond is yours. He gave me an evil stare, as though I had angered him. But, changing his mind suddenly, he sat down on a chair. I'll tell you, he said. Once there was two men, shipmates. I was one. The other was him, as you call Peralta. I was able then, Sonny. No bum leg like this, walked just the same as you do. And he says to me, come along and I'll show you how to get rich. And I went along. Our ship was the good old penny Parker, And she lay to in Havana and he takes me out here and we camp a little on the racks down yonder, Casanova's racks. He is gone for two days, and then comes with a chart, which he can't make heads or tails out of it. Where he got it, he wouldn't tell. But he says, Elam, if you can read this chart and tell me where the treasure lies, we will divide her, half to you and half to me. So... We stays there six days and six nights, Sonny. And then I hits upon the secret. I find the way to read the chart. And it leads me to the place. But the chart told about the ghost that guarded the treasure. And it being night, we didn't have the courage, Sonny. So we said we would wait till the next day. So... We started early in the morning, leaving our camp and going right toward the chart said. And we had to go down the hole, with ropes. It was so deep, but we got there at last. And my old friend says, it ain't here, no treasure here, Elam. But once upon a time, there was a treasure there, Sonny, cause a big chest was at the bottom of that hole and the lid was open and laying back but it was empty somebody been there and gobbled it before us so Peralto says let's get out of this spook haunted hole Elam and I say all right but then I see something sparkle and I reaches under the lid I does so, and pulls out two big stones. This one, and another one just like it. That was overlooked by the one what stole the chestful. And I holds em up for Peralta to see. He looked jealous of me, Sonny. He did, and said, Well, Elam, they are yours, seeing as how you found them, after I gave it up, I says, yes, by rights, they are. But I will divide half and half. So I gives him one, and I keeps the other. We pulled ourselves up out of that hole, Sonny, and went back to our campfire. Tomorrow, Elam, says Peralta, tomorrow... We will go back to our ship. She sails in another day. We are lucky. We can sell these stones in London and won't never have to work no more. I says, Yeah, Raphael," because I was so sleepy and I fell asleep. But I woke up soon again by a scream from Raphael. Yes, Sonny. It was him screaming. The ghost. The ghost, Elam. The ghost of Casanova. I got up half-sleeping, Sonny, and didn't know what was going on till I seen it. The old pirate's ghost, Peralta, had run away and left me alone, and I was half asleep I didn't have time to help myself, Sonny. I saw it coming. And then I knew it was pushing me off in the racks. I had listened to the lame man's story thus far with great wonder and surprise. Yes, I said as he paused. Pablo Saules was shoved off the same way. The lame man's face spread with an evil smile. Pablo Saules, he said, it may be the same Pablo that sailed in our ship in them days. But I wager you, he never came out alive. Look here. He pointed to the twisted leg. That's what made me lame, Sanny. That fall and a shark that I had to stick with my knife before I crawled up to a safe place on the rocky shore and I lay like a dead man for two days. The good ship, weatherbreak, picked me up bound for the South Seas, but I never knew where I was or what I was doing for weeks and weeks, till this old leg got so as I could limp around on it. I never saw my diamond again, till the day I stole it out of the room up yonder. But I found out where Raphael was, and when I landed here, I says to myself, I'll hand him up and ask him about the stones. You thought he had stolen yours too, I asked. The lame man grinned and winked an eye. Maybe I know him, he says. If he was here, I'd make him talk, but... I don't have no hard feelings for me, Sonny, I guess. Somebody made a noise in the hall. The lame man turned an evil eye upon me and whispered, You haven't put up a jab on me, have you? He shoved me aside and ran, not to the door of the laboratory, but to the door of the hall from where the sound had come. I, too, was curious and followed him. He just gave me one look and then turned. It's the same one, he hissed, and hopped sketched out of the door in his uneven legs. I glanced up the hall, and there I saw the sight that had frightened him. Across the hallway, a light was moving slowly toward the library. A candlelight, And in its glow, I saw the same dusky face and long moustache of the man who had been searching the bookshelves the previous night. I ran back into the little office room. The door stood wide open. I ran to it and looked out. My lame visitor was just turning into the shadow of the bamboo trees and going as fast as his halting steps. Could take him. I stepped back and closed the door. Jack and Lucio stepped quickly out of the laboratory hiding place, with Link behind them. We heard every word, said Lucio. What frightened him, Hawkins? In the library, I answered. Quick, quick! The pirate with the candlelight. Lucio darted into the hallway and sped down toward the library. We all followed in our tiptoes as fast as we could. We reached the library archway together. The place was dark. Dak switched on the lights. There's nobody here, said Lucio. End of chapter 20